0: Well, hello everyone and welcome to Gospel Community Providence. We are a small community of Jesus followers in Providence, Rhode Island. Our goal in life is to be the family of God, redeemed and transformed by Jesus, living out God's mission in our culture. You're listening to content created specifically for our church community. And the thoughts and teachings that you'll find here come from a study of the Bible that is informed by some of the best thinkers and followers of Jesus today and throughout church history. Just a heads up, you may hear a variety of voices and distractions and noises in the background. This is because we are a church of families with real lives full of children, noise, and interruptions. We celebrate these noises, however, because they remind us that real life is not a perfectly curated moment, but is full of opportunities to worship Jesus through the messy, unflattering, and mundane. In addition to this, you may hear the voices and comments of various audience members throughout the teaching. While this often causes our time to go a little long, it also deepens and enriches our time together as we discuss what we are learning and reflect on how to live it out. So bear with us. We are not professionals, but we are imperfect people who love and serve a perfect God. Let's go. All right. Luke 11, 1 through 4.
1: Thanks, Brittany. I'm gonna teach off mic, if that's okay with you guys. Be a little more free. Um, I know we've said it already, but happy Mother's Day. Um, I don't think we can say it enough, but you guys, you ladies, I was about to say you guys, but I am speaking specifically to women, so there's no reason to say you guys. the church our size like we joke a lot of the times (laughs) that uh, we're growing the old-fashioned way uh, by having loads of children um, which is kind of true actually but with that new church growth comes church discipleship as well and you are on the front lines every day not just one day a week of Uh, discipling these little ones, Uh, and we are so grateful. And I know dads are a part of that too, but there's that special bond with mothers, so thank you, Um, and Mother's Day is every day, right? So, we love you. So as we start out this morning, um, we're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer. Uh, We sang a part of it already this morning. I could sing that song every Sunday. Uh, Maybe we'll start singing it every Sunday, who knows. Um, Amber's nodding yes, so... If you're down to lead it, then we can do that. Um, So we're gonna be looking at that this uh, morning, but I wanted to start out with kind of a story, okay? So I'm pretty sure that everyone in the room right now uh, knows that prior to moving up here, Amber and I, uh, I played drums in a band. Uh, Feels like another lifetime ago, um, but with that, we had some really cool opportunities and we were able to live over in the UK. Uh, for a little while and while we were living over in the UK, this is actually like the first Week second week that we were there We were about to start a tour with the band that I was playing in and we were traveling with a British band uh, a bunch of British guys uh, that brought us on tour with them and uh, So it's a bunch of us uh, Americans traveling in a van with this uh, British dude from Manchester's lived there his whole life and uh, so kind of served as our tour guide, right? So we're brand new to the country, trying to figure things out. They take us under their wing, they're showing us things. And as we're driving through the British countryside, we just are like blown away, all of us Americans that are in the van at the beauty. And if you've seen pictures or if you've been there, I know some of you have been to Ireland, but if you've been over there, it's like the rolling fields. It's the greenest green that you've ever seen, right? I, I, we've never seen anything quite like it. And, uh, a lot of people would look at the countryside and think, "Oh, there's nothing too drastic about it, but there's a unique type of beauty that the UK has." And um, so we're just driving from uh, venue to venue, and we're constantly blown away by the beauty of the place. So I can't tell you how many times we said, "Can we just stop and like pull over and just take it in for a second, take some pictures? You know, I've gotta show my mom this, that type of thing." And you could tell they were getting a little annoyed with it. I uh, was just like, oh boy, okay, when's this gonna end? Yeah, there's another castle, cool, yeah, this is 800 years old, awesome. Uh, but we pulled up to one place in particular, uh, and I, I remember this, uh, and all of us were just like, whoa, this is stunning. And it was just hills rolling on top of each other, green, green, and we said, isn't this amazing? Isn't this incredible? And then our friend who's British who's driving the van said, Yeah, I guess it is, isn't it? And it was like that moment of remembrance of, Whoa! Where I live is stunning. Where I live is beautiful. And it took these guys, these outsiders, to help me see it again with fresh eyes, how beautiful it is. Now why do I share this story? Okay? Because I think that sometimes when we become so familiar with something, we become numb to the beauty, right? We could have something so beautiful, but the overexposure, the regularity, the routine of it can cause it to become just numb and stale. Not that the thing itself is stale, but we've made it that. Or we've just lost the taste for it. I think what happened with our friend in the UK is often what happens to us sometimes, specifically when it comes to our prayer lives. I mean, think about it, right? We uh, we pray we pray prayer before we eat, you know, bless the mess type thing, and uh, thanking God, and it's kind of like becomes rote or. We say our prayers before bed with our children and it can become a thing that we just do routinely and maybe our parents said prayers with us when we were children as well and it was just kind of something that you were supposed to do or, you know, we show up to a small group on Wednesday or Thursday night and we close out with a time of prayer. Let's just pray to lift up some prayer requests. It's always, I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but it just becomes so familiar. It's like we just expect it. We're just going to do it. It's going to be that way. We're going to do it again. But I fear that in the midst of all of that routine, which again, not bad, good to be praying at those times. But I fear that in the midst of the routine and the familiarity, we become numb. And we, through that overexposure, can lose the beauty and the wonder of what we actually are doing, talking to the God of the universe. So we're going to be looking at the Lord's Prayer, which is one of those prayers that we've heard our entire lives, right? The overexposure is like, the familiarity is probably just so real, right? Like we could probably all just like rifle it off in our minds, even just a little bit. Maybe, we may miss a phrase here and there, but we could probably say it. It's one of those prayers that is incredibly familiar for a lot of people who have grown up in the West or in any type of Christian culture. But Tim Keller says this about the Lord's Prayer. Particularly, he says, the Lord's Prayer may be the single set of words spoken more often than any other in the history of the world. That's pretty heavy. Jesus Christ gave it to us as the key to unlock all the riches of prayer, yet, it is an untapped resource, particularly because it is so very familiar. And this is the passage that we're going to be looking at this morning. So my hope is that this morning we will have a moment of, oh yeah, I forgot what's here and the riches that we have and the access that we have, and that it'll be that moment of remembrance and tasting again. So that's what I've been praying this week, and before we jump into the text, let That's only work that God can do. So let's go ahead and ask Him before we start out that He would speak to us, that He would do what only He can do. So let's pray for a minute. Father, would you take these words from this prayer and from my mouth and would you use them to glorify your Son Jesus? Would you glorify? Jesus, and would you make us more like him? Would you give us a heart that is longing for you, longing to be with you? Would you stir our our hearts to remember and to taste and to experience again how beautiful you are? And would we leave this morning finding our joy in you? So would you direct our minds and our hearts now toward that end? Amen. All right, before we jump in, I'm going to recap last week, okay? You guys remember we talked about the story of Jesus with Mary and Martha, and side note, whoa, we got a lot of Marthas up in here. I was not really aware. I'm still the new guy, so I'm like getting a gauge on it. And I'm not going to lie, there was a couple surprising where I was like, you're probably a Mary, and they were like, no, hard Martha. Okay, I haven't spent enough time with you, so... Um, that's really that's really cool. Uh, I was actually really pumped to see that. So, Because as Tim talked about, it's not a bad thing to be a Martha. Sometimes it can be painted in a bad way. But Martha in that story was troubled and anxious about serving. And Mary was content to just sit at the feet of Jesus as he was teaching in the home. She was content to just be in his presence. And Jesus says that in that particular story that... Mary was the one that chose the good portion was the words that we talked about, right? And Tim did a really good job of talking about what what is this good portion, right? It's not abundantly clear at first, but he showed us throughout scripture how that word portion was used and how it was a word that describes contentment and satisfaction in God, that God is all that I need and I'm happy to just be with him. Kind of like we were singing, it's a joy to be In the presence of God, that is finding our portion in, in, that's the good portion, okay? Psalm 73 says, God is my strength and my portion forever. So that's just a taste of how scripture uses that word. Now it's interesting, this morning, the next passage in Luke that we're going to be looking at, Luke moves straight from talking about how Mary chose the good portion, now into a whole section we're going to look at this week and next week on prayer. So it's as if Luke is saying and trying to pull out something like this, like, okay, showing you that Mary chose the good portion by sitting at the feet of Jesus. Now let's ourselves try and live in the good portion by turning to God in prayer. So with that being said, let's turn to our text now as we've been praying and As we've been asking God to speak to us, let's turn to his word now and see this pattern of prayer that he gives for us. So verse 1, Luke 11 says that Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John taught his disciples, So this phrase, Jesus was in a certain place praying, okay? Luke, again, is giving us this peek into Jesus's own personal prayer life. And we've seen it multiple times as we've been studying Luke, all right? And that's no surprise because Luke emphasizes prayer. Luke's gospel emphasizes prayer far more than any other of the gospel accounts. So I did a little brief kind of look at how many times prayer was referenced in each gospel, and in Luke, it's over double references to prayer than any other gospel, which I thought was really interesting. There's nine specific prayers of Jesus recorded in Luke, and constantly referring back to the fact that Jesus was retreating, going to pray, before any significant thing, Jesus is turning to the Father in prayer, and then after, for retreat, he's turning to God in prayer. In Luke's gospel, there's one thing that he really, really wants to make clear, is that if you are going to live a life filled with faith, then it's gotta be saturated in prayer. Prayer life is essential to closeness with the Father. So I love that he just starts out with, Jesus comes back and he was praying again, okay? And then this phrase, Lord, the disciple, okay? The disciple comes and says, Lord, Teach us to pray. John, the baptizer, he's got his own way of praying for his disciples, and they all do that. Teach us how to pray. So, we don't know who the disciple is. It would be nice to know, but we don't need to know, right? But it just says, a disciple came to Jesus and said this. But it seems as though this one disciple is speaking on behalf of the rest of the disciples, asking for this, like asking for Jesus to give him a model to pray after. But no matter what disciple it was, we do know this, that he would have been, he or she, would have been Jewish. Would have grown up praying a person of prayer. So Jewish people specifically would have had prayers that they would pray. The Shema was a prayer. Uh, two times a day that, that, that they would pray. That's just a, that's a given. And then on top of that you've got loads of other Prayers that are ritual that go throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the years. There's specific prayers that you would be praying. Now, I don't know if that sounds familiar to any of us, having specific prayers that we would pray throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the years. It sounds oddly similar to our Christian culture. But I think it's interesting, right? This disciple comes and has been praying their entire life But they recognize, they've been following Jesus for an amount of time now, and they recognize there's something different about the way that Jesus prays and connects with the Father, and I want that. We want that. We want to pray in a way that people will know we're a follower of Jesus. So he's asking, show us how to do that, that way, okay? Now before we get into the content of the prayer itself, It's worth noting that this prayer is recorded twice in scripture. Uh, Tim actually taught on the other passage about a year ago in Matthew 6, which is a a little bit longer detailing of this prayer. It's given in in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus details this prayer. But we're going to be looking at the one in Luke 11. Now, the content, the message of the prayer is the same, but there are a few phrases that are left out that are more descriptors. So if that trips you up a little bit, just remember the content of the message is the same. And I'll refer a little bit to uh, Matthew's version of this prayer as well. But Let's go ahead and look at the content of the prayer itself. So Jesus says to the disciple, he says, When you pray, which is literally translated, whenever you're praying. But whenever you're praying, say something like this. Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Stop there. So he's giving them this model to follow. This is how I pray. This is how I want you to pray. People will know that you're my disciples if you pray this way. By calling God your father. This is one of those points, okay? This This is the rolling hill that's beautiful that we have lost sight of, I think, okay? We get to call the God of the universe the creator of all things, the Holy One, our personal Father, because Jesus, the eternal Son, who has existed for all of eternity, like we talked about a few weeks back, has invited us to come be united with him. So now, in our union with Jesus, the eternal Son, indwelt by his Holy Spirit, we get to call God our personal Father. He's inviting us into that dance, of love that has existed for all of eternity, now we get to experience in that familial type love. That's quite a way to start our prayers. God, Father, Dad, I can only call you that because I've been invited into your family. Just addressing them as our Father. But then this next phrase, hallowed be your name, okay? We don't use that word a lot, hallowed. It's kind of an old-timey phrase, but it literally means to declare holy. I'm calling something holy. And to be holy means to be set apart, to be other, to be utterly different. So think about those two things together. God is utterly different, separate than us, far above. His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Yet, we get to call him Father. That's the first line of this prayer so beautiful. Jesus continues. He says, say, your kingdom come. We just sang this this morning. Let heaven come, okay? Matthew adds, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And it's this idea, it's this recognition that Things aren't as they ought to be. We need you still. We are utterly dependent on you. But we know, Jesus, that you've turned the tide. That things, even though they are the way they are right now, you promised you're coming back again. And you have decisively taken away the power of darkness And said that, no, I am establishing my kingdom here. I am making all things new. I am going to wipe away every tear. And that's what we get to look forward to Jesus coming again. And when we say your kingdom come, it's twofold. Because we're asking that we would be ambassadors of that kingdom here and now. As we wait for the fullness of the kingdom to come. Again. As we're singing that song, I mean, this is like a passionate plea. God, would your kingdom come here on earth as it is in heaven? Would you bring back the wholeness, the peace, that shalom that we talked about in peacemaking? We want to see that. We want to experience that. We want to long for it. So when we're praying, you can hear Jesus saying, like, be urgent. Your kingdom come. I told you I'm coming to bring the kingdom. Now keep praying that it would come and you yourselves be a part of that because I'm bringing you into this. He goes on to say, pray like this. Give us each day our daily bread. Now it's in this petition that Jesus is now inviting us to come to the Father with our requests, which is often where we just start, right? We just like jump right in and we're like, God, I need this. Or I'm struggling here. I really need your help here. And you know, sometimes that's okay because we're just in that place and we just, we're at least turning to God, but he's, it's interesting where he places this in the middle, like getting our priorities straight, right? Like we've gone through that already. Like I recognize that God's my Father. He's holy. I'm asking that his kingdom would come and that I would be a part of that. And now... What do I need today? And that daily bread is talking about (laughs) our needs, not necessarily our wants. And it's not not wrong to pray for things that you want. And Tim's going to touch on that a little bit next week. But this is specifically talking about what do I need for today and would you be my provider? Daily bread is this holistic idea of would you provide for me in every way not just physically but holistically so when you pray give us this day our daily bread what is it that you need today maybe you are hungry maybe you're lonely maybe you're anxious maybe you're fearful maybe you're depressed how do you god, how do you need god to meet you there How do you need him to be your provider in that way today? When we ask for him to be our daily bread, this is the heart of what we're asking for, that you would meet us there and satisfy us. I love that in the Old Testament, you see God providing for the Israelites in the wilderness with this bread-like substance, manna, And he gives them just the amount they need for every day. And he says, don't store it up. I'm going to give you more tomorrow. And the second they do, you know, it rots away. They're trying to store it for the next day. And he's like, trust me, it's coming. Okay? And then fast forward. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Come to me. Again, not just to satisfy your physical hunger, but what is it that you're longing for? Come to me, I will satisfy you. Anyone who eats from me will be satisfied. So when we pray, we know that Jesus himself is the bread of life and he will satisfy us if we would only just ask. He goes on to say, when you're praying, whenever you're praying, ask that the Father would forgive your sins. So, and forgive us our sins, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. This is our pattern of regular confession, right? So we do it every Sunday, and we're hoping that we would model this in prayer life every day. And it's not that our sins need to be paid for again, but when we confess our sins, we remember that Jesus has paid for them already. So we should ask and say, Jesus, I remember what you've done and now I'm confessing what I've done and my need for you. It's incredible how much grace you've shown to me, that you've shown to us because while I'm a sinner, you move toward me. And this next phrase, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us. As we remember the grace of God toward us, what does that lead us into? There's no one On this earth, who's beyond the grace of God, therefore, there's no one who we can't forgive because we've been forgiven. So it's this plea that God, would you help me to have the same heart of grace that you've had toward me, toward other people? And he finishes this prayer, at least in Luke, by saying, and lead us. Not into temptation. So I think it's interesting to note the difference. Lead us not into temptation. Not that we wouldn't be tempted, because Jesus also says it's necessary that temptations might come, which is a really interesting thing. But it's not that we wouldn't be tempted, but that we wouldn't give into temptation. Give us the confidence, give us the boldness to trust that you are better than whatever it is that I'm tempted to do. And Jesus himself was tempted. Remember his 40 days, just after his baptism, he's in the wilderness and Satan is coming to him, tempting him. And what does Jesus do? He resists. And in those moments, he's got angels ministering to him. And in the same way, Jesus is saying, Pray that you wouldn't fall into temptation as well. Pray that God would bring to mind and to your heart and to the forefront of your mind his word, his promises in those moments so that in those moments being close with God is better than whatever it is that would be tempting you. That's the prayer. That's what Jesus says. Pray that way. And you'll only be known as my disciple. But it's not just specific words. He's not saying like, pray those exact words over and over again. And then something magical is going to happen. But listen, I understand that all of us are in varying places in our prayer lives right now. I would venture to say most of us are probably like a little unhappy with our prayer lives. Or say, "I I could probably do better right probably i could probably do a little better and maybe i've been neglecting it maybe there's a little bit of shame about that so even hearing this message you're like yeah that sounds great but don't you know i'm don't you know i have two kids don't you know i've got a busy job don't you know i didn't sleep last night and now i'm supposed to just like drop my life sit in the corner and just like be in solitude it's like i get it okay i just want to release you of your shame release you of your Ah, that, you know, that you're probably feeling. Let that be. That's behind you. We're right now. This is a new moment. His mercies are new today. And prayer is not a, it's not a, it's not a task list that we check off. It's a chance to dwell. It's a chance to choose the good portion. So whatever you've been doing, you have right now, you have This morning, this afternoon, tonight, next morning, what choices are you going to make? Do you want to find your fullness, find your wholeness in God, or keep doing this uh, thing? I don't know. I do it too, so I'm with you, okay? But I just want this to be a remembrance, this time that we're looking at the beautiful hill in front of us and saying, oh my gosh, yes, this is beautiful. Because this model of prayer that Jesus is giving to us, giving to his disciples and therefore to us, it's something that only we who are united to Jesus can experience. And we get to do it. (laughs) So if you're feeling a bit stale in your prayer life or even feeling that shame over like neglecting to pray, there's literally no better time than now to start again to engage with God through prayer. I love that as we were praying together this morning, the theme was, thank you God for being with us, even when we are just like either busy or going through the motions, that you're still there. Thank you. It's like, (laughs) I love that that was the heart of this morning and we're talking about this. Because he is always with us. So what better way and what better time than now to start using this prayer as our model? And I would encourage you guys, okay? Next time you're feeling stale, next time you're feeling like, I don't even know what to say, God, start here. Jesus says, whenever you're praying, this is a, this is a, great, this is a great place to start. Use this. I love you guys. Um, why don't we just pray now together as we close, okay? And Ellery's going to pray with us. Father, we get to call you Father. Thank you for letting us call you Father, for bringing us into your family. You are above all things. You are holy. You are utterly other, yet we get to call you Family, We get to call you friend. Thank you. God, we pray that you would give us a heart where we would be active in seeing your kingdom come. God, we we know you're coming back again and you're going to make all things new, but would you help us to be present and active, fueled by your Holy Spirit in our world, and even today, whatever it is, if it's the most mundane thing or if it's something amazing that you're leading us into. We want want to be a part of seeing your kingdom come and, and your will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And God, I just pray for our church this morning that whatever it is that we need, that we are desperate for, would you meet us in that this morning? Would you provide for us? Would you satisfy us with your daily bread? God, would you help us to remember your grace in the midst of it, that it wasn't anything that we did or how lovely we are that made us your children, but only your grace. When we were running in the opposite direction, you said, come here, you're mine. You're my child. Would we have that heart of grace toward those around us God, thank you for leading us in that peacemaking series, but would you continue to keep us on that path where we would seek to be at peace with those around us, that we would be ready to show grace to those who have hurt us and wronged us. Would you give us that heart? And God, I pray that you would be a lamp to our feet, a light to our path, and that we would when temptations inevitably come, that we would choose to follow you instead, that we would remember your promises, your witness with us, and that we would choose to be in the joy of your presence rather than whatever it is that we think we need in that moment that is tempting us. Thank you so much for giving us this model of prayer. Jesus, for giving us a glimpse into your own prayer life. God, would we not neglect this incredible gift that you've given us in a model of how to even pray. I so often feel like we're just wandering in the dark and don't really know what we're doing in prayer, but you've given us this as a light to say, just start here. So God, would you help us to use this prayer God, I pray that it wouldn't become stale, but that it would be life to us. Even this week, God, we love you and we ask that you would do this work in us. Amen.